Well, you can be seated. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. For any of our visitors here this morning, just especially want to thank you for coming out to worship with us in the park. My name is Joshua. I have uh, the pastor of serving as one of the pastors, one of the elders here. Just want to thank you for coming to be with us this morning. Um, as I just mentioned, uh, Jose Jimenez. Jose, you can come on down, brother. Why don't you guys welcome him as he comes? We have the joy of hearing Jose Jimenez as he preaches to us this morning. He is a chaplain. I think the, you are a chaplain in the Navy, right? Like the Marine Corps doesn't have their own chaplains. That's right, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Navy chaplain. Uh, Navy chaplains serve, uh, of course, in the Navy on ships and all that kind of stuff, but also with Marines. Uh, and then additionally with the, the Coast Guard as well. That you do more than I than I thought you did there. <laughs> well, I don't do all of that, but uh, I, I just do my little part. Well, we're thankful that you're here. He's going to be preaching to us from First Peter four this morning, and before he preaches, Alan is going to come and read a portion of that passage to us. So it is First Peter four. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become the ungodly of the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Again, uh, I'm so thankful for uh, being here. I've known some of you so since 2003. That's when I initially moved to uh, San Diego. I was in the Marine Corps at that time in 2003. Uh, at that time, uh, I was much younger. I, uh, as soon as I arrived on station here, uh, just a, a few days later, they said, you're going to Iraq. And so I deployed to Iraq in 2003, uh, came back for a few months, deployed again in 2004, came back for a few more months, and deployed in 2005. And uh, I'll say that uh, here at Grace Church, many of you uh, who know me, have known me since then, you have encouraged me uh, in the midst of going back and forth to Iraq and enduring what happened there, uh, not just physically, but also just emotionally, uh, being reminded that it is God who sustains. It is his gospel. It is the power of that gospel which sustained me even while I was in those trials, while I was going through those missions, while I was seeing what I saw. It was God that was at work in me and just encouraging me. And you guys were a part of that. So I just want to thank you for that. And as I... Uh, finished up my time in the Marines, I sought the advice from the pastors at the time as, as far as a calling, a calling to the ministry, and Grace Church definitely served me in calling me uh, 
you know, as I had this internal call to the ministry, just helping me discern and having that external call on my life as you guys called me to this ministry as a chaplain. And so the ministry as a chaplain is definitely different. I want to say that uh, I know many of you maybe have seen some things on the news or read things in newspapers about chaplains. Maybe you have an experience with another chaplain. And I know that there can be some difficult uh, or maybe confusing things about us as chaplains. One of the things that I often hear is that chaplains, they can't really preach the gospel. Well, let me just tell you that's not true. I will say that some chaplains get caught up in the political aspect of being in the military and out of being perhaps ashamed for what they believe or being uh, fearful of what might happen for what they say on, uh, on duty as a chaplain, they might not share the gospel. But I just want to reassure you and, and thank you for your prayers and, and just thank you for encouraging me for uh, the times that I get to share the gospel. And I do my best each and every day to not only live the gospel as I wear a cross on my, on my uniform, people know who I am as the chaplain, they know that I'm a Christian, and uh, I have been able to share just over and over again about the work of Christ and what he's done for all of us. So I am not ashamed of the gospel, as Paul says, and Lord, just, you know, just keep praying for me that I would continue to be faithful uh, to that calling. My wife and my kids are obviously not here this morning. Uh, they are currently in Georgia. Uh, I have five children, ages uh, 10 months to 12 years, uh, two uh, boys, on uh, the youngest and the oldest, but then I have three little girls as well that are just so precious and dear to my soul. So please pray for my wife, Rebecca, my children. Um, I am deploying again here really soon. This will be my seventh deployment. Uh, this time, it will be my first time going out on a ship, okay? On this ship that I'm on, uh, there's three to 4,000 people on this ship, and I get the opportunity to uh, preach, to counsel, to do an evening prayer, which has just been amazing to see the impact that I've been able to have through a prayer uh, on a one MC, on a microphone that just reaches every room of the ship, and uh just give, getting a lot of good feedback when it comes to wanting to talk more about what I said on the 1MC in my prayer and that talk just leading to an unfolding of the gospel right there and a reminding that God is good, that God loves us, that he actually sent his son to die for us, that our greatest problem being sin has been dealt with and paid completely. So that's what I get to do every day. It's so simple, but it can be difficult as well. And that's why the, the theme of this morning's sermon from 1 Peter 4, 12 to 19, which was read, is suffering. Suffering. What a, what a great thing, right? Being able to suffer. Well, that's what we're going to learn about this morning as we open up God's Word. And the, the reason I believe this portion of Scripture is so important is because responding to suffering is an opportunity for us to reflect God's glory, to emanate His holiness as we walk in the way He's called us to walk, and the, the manner and the character by which we respond to suffering that God gives us and brings our way is an indication to us 
that we truly belong to God. So let us pray and let us ask God for help for us to understand these things. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks this morning for, man, what a beautiful cloudy day in San Diego, Lord. And we're thankful for just all who can hear, for those that are sitting and, and, and just being very intently listening, and for those walking by, Lord, we ask that, that uh, their ears may hear, Lord. And not only just hear, but that it would sink down into the eyes of their heart and that they would be broken, Lord. Break me this morning, Lord. Break all of us into just submitting every ounce of flesh to you, Lord. Help us to give up all things for the sake of knowing Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to perhaps, if it is your will, to understand a little bit more about suffering this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I believe that one of the clearest examples uh, of growing and understanding suffering in the Bible comes from the Apostle Peter. I say this because we can see Peter's sanctification, his, his growing and progressing and just understanding suffering starting in the Gospels when he's just totally misunderstanding what suffering is as he tells Jesus, no, don't do that, to going to Acts and reading this epistle here to just see where he is, how he, he's understanding the divine purpose in suffering, and that this purpose is linked actually to the sufferings of Jesus Christ. I love that God chose Peter to author this epistle right here, in spite of Peter being the one to deny, to attempt to deny Jesus Christ his suffering, okay? If we go back, let's go back just real quick to Mark 8, okay, uh, verse 27. If you would go back with me, I'm going to read this real quick so you get an understanding of where Peter was. Mark 8, verse 27, let's see. Remember, this is right after, this is right after Peter says, Jesus, you are the Christ, right here. He says, And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea, Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Hey, who do people say that I am? And he told them, I am John the Baptist. And others, they say Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, our boy Peter, I love Peter. He says, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. But then look, verse 31, Jesus, he begins to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him to the side and he began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples Jesus, he rebukes Peter, and he says, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone shall come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Forfeit his soul. 
For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, will the Son of Man also be ashamed when, his, when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is where Peter was in the Gospels, saying, No, Jesus. It's not time to suffer. You're not going to die. I'm going to keep you alive. I'm going to do whatever it takes to prevent suffering. And you know what? We do that today. We do whatever it takes to prevent the suffering in our own lives, do we not? Hey, let's go make more money so we can feel safe. Hey, let's, let's wear nice shoes so we don't have to walk on the ground. Let's put on some uh, lotion, some sunblock so we don't get burned. You know what, let's just not talk about Jesus with people so that they can't really say anything against us. I don't want to put that bug in their ear because I don't know how they're going to treat me. See, we do it too. We've got to be careful of doing this. And so Peter here, I love that Peter writes this epistle because as we go through it, it's all about Peter understanding more correctly what God's call for us as sufferers in Christ, as followers of Jesus, really is. Look in, we can look in chapter 1. You don't have to turn there, but just remember that Peter says, if it's necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith would be known. He talks about the prophets. He talks about the prophets and he links the prophets and what they see of the Messiah to come and the sufferings to come and how those sufferings are linked to our Savior, Jesus Christ. In chapter 3, he says, look, there's no one to harm you if you're zealous for what is good. He said we should suffer for righteousness' sake. So throughout this epistle, Peter unveils just more truth for us to understand God's call upon our life to suffer as his children to suffer as believers. And the first word here in this passage, this, this portion beginning with chapter 12, it's the word beloved. Listen, as you're going through suffering, I believe that this is one of the most, before we can go on and talk about these three lessons, these three lessons that we're going to go through, they're not going to mean anything to you unless you really take in that first word. Beloved. Beloved. Do you know that you are beloved? Do you know that you're the beloved of God? Do you know what he's done for you? Do you know that he loves you? Do you know that before the foundations of the world that God has called you a people to himself and that he's orchestrating all of this in his son Jesus Christ? All the prophets, they point to him. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And so we, we look to him as our example, as Peter earlier says, that we follow in, in Christ, we follow the example he gave us. Jesus Christ suffered, and so we too are called to suffer. And I believe that, that Peter starts with this word beloved because he really needs us and wants us to know that God loves us. Peter approaches him after he denied him three times, and he's restored with Jesus. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love you? Yes, Lord. Let that just ring true in your mind. 
Let it sink down into your heart. Because when we engage suffering, there's no time to wonder if God really loves you. We need to know this. Maybe there's someone here, you haven't put your trust in Christ. You haven't been forgiven of your sin. Maybe you don't know what sin is. My prayer for you is that you would know that you are not perfect. My prayer is that you would know that that we have a heavenly Father who has already conquered death for you in His Son, Jesus Christ. That the Holy Spirit, as as you give your life to Him, as you surrender everything in your life to Him, that He will surely, He will surely call you out by name. He will surely call you out by name and remind you of His love for you that you are his beloved. He forgives your sin in his son Christ. So we've got to know that that beloved, this is a real thing. It's not not some abstract teaching that that Peter's about to give us here. It's not a PowerPoint presentation that we look through and just skim through and, and then we're done. This is real life. Suffering is real life. And it's difficult. It's not difficult because it's complicated. It's actually easy to understand. I mean, we just sang songs about it. The earth is groaning. We see it every day in our life. It's plain. But yet it's not complicated, but it's difficult to actually apply to our life. It's not abstract, but it's a calling to suffer for the glory of God. And we do it as a community. You here The community, the beloved community, do it together. Suffer together. This is the kind of ministry that I get to do as a Navy chaplain. I get kneecap to kneecap with people. I get to listen to their stories. I get to hear what's going on in their life, just like you guys hear what's going on in each other's lives. And I get to, as I'm listening, I get to just ponder God's faithfulness and whatever's going on in this person's life. And it gets to a point when they just stop talking. It might be 30 minutes. It might be an hour. It might be two hours. That's a long counseling session. But they just want to give more. They want some... Nobody's really ever listened to them before. This is the first time somebody's ever had somebody sit there, look at them, and listen, and nod, and ask questions. And so they're digging it. They're loving it. And I always get to ask... Do you want me to share with you what God says about what's going on in your life right now? And the answer is always yes. Yes, I get to share right there. No matter what the circumstance is. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if some, someone in their family died, they're suffering with uh, something going on with their leadership, they're being treated unfairly. They're medically not qualified to do the job that they thought they were going to get to do. There's conflict with spouses between their, them and their spouse. They don't know what to do with their kid when their kid just goes up high into the right. Their father has cancer. Their grandmother died. Their sister died. They don't have money to go do the things that they need to do before we deploy here? How are they going to handle that? Friends, there is... I haven't even, like, mentioned just 
a tad of what can go wrong in people's lives. And you have that here too. And so we get kneecap to kneecap. We do ministry. I'm sharing the gospel. It's unfolding. And I'm encouraging them. Maybe they're not a believer. And I encourage them. I say, listen, I'm about to tell you some hard stuff. But I, but I want to love you through. I want you to know before I tell you this, I love you. I say, in order for you to really understand what I'm about to tell you, I need you to step back from yourself for a moment and I need you to try to see things the way God sees things. And I'm going to try to help you through that. And we suffer together through that. We suffer through that conversation. We suffer through that ministry as we apply the gospel to each and every facet of their life one spot at a time. And I'm not the only one they go to for counsel. They'll go to a, another counselor who's licensed by the state of California, which, yeah, you know what that means. And they'll start here and they'll say, chaps, look, you know, when I talked to this counselor, they began with when I was born. And they said, when I was born and I had this family and my father did this to me and my mom did that to me and this thing happened to me at school and, and that's the reason why I'm so selfish right now. They said it was because of those things that had an impact on me in my life. And we'll draw it out on a, on a sheet of paper and I'll, I'll draw a line. I'll draw a line right here and I'll say, this is when you were born. And we'll draw all these things out. And we'll say, this is where you're at now. Okay? And I say, is that, is that what the counselor's telling you? Uh, yeah, that's what he's saying. We'll draw lines from the suffering they did here and why it makes them the person that they are today and why they're struggling so much. And I say, okay, good. I'm glad I understand. Now look. This is what the counselor ain't telling you. You were born here. Here's God. God's at the beginning. There's God right there. And I'll draw a line. And I say, there's Adam and Eve. There's sin in the world. And I say, draw a line. There's your problem. That's your problem. Your problem is sin. And I'll draw a cross right here. And I'll say, that's, that's your help. You see, the other counselor is not going to say anything about the suffering that, we, that comes from God. They're going to try to explain it. They're going to try to make sense of it. And I want to encourage you, do not be like them. You are the beloved. When you are the beloved, you look to God Almighty for the reason, for the hope that is within you. And it's Jesus Christ and Him died. Him sacrificed for us. So know and understand before as we go and learn these quick three lessons that you are the beloved of God. And everything else in your life, everything else you learn is based off of that one truth. Amen? Amen. So the first, the three lessons we're going to go through is Lesson number one, do not be surprised. Lesson number two, do not be ashamed. And lesson number three, do not be confused. Man, time goes quick. It's getting hot out here. First one, do not be surprised. Do not be surprised when suffering comes. Friends, I've been deployed to war four times. I'm not going to be surprised as I go on this deployment and I end up in one of those places. I've been there. I've done that. I've been down that road before. 
I can anticipate it. I can posture my heart and my soul. I am already focusing my mind on what may be ahead and where I go. That posturing right there, as, as Peter says, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. That, that posture, having that posture is not being surprised. Listen, we know sin is in the world. We know that there's sin around us. We know that sin's in our very own hearts. We know it's there. We know suffering is all around us. Let's just, let's just say the truth. We suffer. We suffer. And we must know this. We follow in the steps of Christ. Do I know everything that's going to happen to me on deployment? No. But can I be ready? Yes. Can you be ready in the Christian life? Yes. You can be ready. Because you know what? There's someone prowling around like a roaring lion that's seeking somebody to devour. And he's coming after you. He loves to go after God's people. And we need to be ready for him. We need to not be surprised. Do you remember John 15 when Jesus tells us that if the world hates you, remember the world's hated Jesus first. Friends, we are simply just suffering after the fact for the glory of Christ because he did so. Listen, if you think you're going to get by in this life without suffering, then I guess you found a way to get through life better than Jesus did because he had to go through suffering. You see, we have to. We have to go through suffering. Let's continue on. It says, when it comes upon you to test you. It ought not to be a, fr- a, a surprise. This is, this is a great opportunity. An opportunity in the midst of coming up suffering, or maybe it hits you quickly, to give glory to God, to, to have joy, to see that this suffering comes to us for for many different reasons. Some of the reasons that suffering might come as it tests us is it may may want to strengthen, God may want to strengthen our faith and our trust in Him. He may want to produce more fruit of the Spirit inside of us. Maybe He wants to silence the enemy like He did with Job or to glorify Himself through us as we display His holiness. Maybe it's to conform us so that we're more like Jesus Christ. Or maybe, maybe God wants you to have an impact on more people as he grows the ministry that you have around you in your family or at work. And the one that's so obvious in my life is there's suffering that comes when I sin. And God uses that suffering to help me see my sin so that I repent and I turn, turn to the living God and I begin to be back in fellowship with him and with others around me. And then let's not forget Abraham with Isaac on Mount Moriah. Sometimes God just wants to know how much we really love him. And he tests us. There's so much here. And isn't it the case for me, when suffering comes, I say, why, Lord? Why? Why is this happening to me? I say, this just doesn't make any sense. 
And that's exactly where Peter says, do not go. He warns us. Look, verse 13. He says instead, rejoice. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. So instead of being surprised by suffering, we're called to, to rejoice. We're called because we are blessed. God looks favorably upon us. He loves us. He's glorified in that. As a matter of fact, he's going to use you again over and over to just magnify his name. But he's clear that let's not suffer because of our sin. Let's not make mistakes so that we suffer. Let's instead suffer for the name of Christ. We're not to suffer because we're a, a murderer, an evildoer, a, a meddler. You know, meddler is like someone's just babbling and gossiping. Let's not suffer in those ways. But let's suffer for the name of Christ. And you know what? We're not going to be surprised. The world is going to be surprised because it doesn't make any sense to them. It doesn't make any sense to them that we want to rejoice at the opportunity to suffer for Christ's name. You know, when we, we share, when we share our faith with others, and I pray that this is being done all the time, when we meet somebody and we say, hey, I'm Jose, what's your name? Hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you. Hey, you going to church this Sunday? I'd love for you to just come to church. What? Yeah, I'm a Christian. What that means is, you know, as a Christian, I, you know, I believe that I believe that we all need Jesus. That we're all struggling in this life. Our sin is very great, and uh, God's going to hold us accountable for that sin. And we have, an, we have an amazing Savior. He, he's actually the only one under, the only name under heaven by which we will be saved. And, and we get to celebrate him every Sunday. And I, I would love for you, even if you don't know him, I'd love for you to just come. We can get lunch after and talk. You ever do that? Just every person you meet, if you were to do that, you're gonna, you're gonna get some hate and discontent come your way. But man, your numbers will grow too. You're going you're gonna to find people, they never heard of Jesus. I was 23 years old, man. I, Jesus Christ to me was a curse word. That's all I did was say his name in vain. I didn't know anything about the gospel until a young lady shared it with me and just invited me to church. That's it. Man, it's so simple. And it's, so, it's something to look forward to every day, to be able to meet new people and just invite them. And if they don't like you, that's okay. Glory be to God. Do it in the most loving way. Every time we get to do this, we are, we're participating in, in, this, in the sufferings of Christ. We're, we're not, our suffering isn't adding to, you know, Jesus' atonement for our sin. You know, the only thing we add to that is our sin. But we get to participate in it. We get to get a sense of God's love for us. We get to experience that. And you know what, as we experience that, that little bit of suffering, that taste, and we see how much God loves us, then we know what it feels like to love others too. Because it feels the same way as you give yourself to others for the sake of his name. 
Listen, I don't enjoy the pain. I don't enjoy the agony of suffering. I don't enjoy the emotional distress that it causes me. But I'm reminded of my eternal destination every time I get to suffer. Because I'm reminded that, man, I cannot wait until the day when there will be no more suffering. I cannot wait until the day when there will be no more sin, when I can just smile all the time, when I can have joy, when I can experience God. I cannot wait until I am no longer reviled and mistreated simply because I know Jesus. He calls us, God compels us to have this love towards others. This is how, this is how in Acts 5, the apostles, they get beat for believing in Jesus. They said, don't talk in that name. And they say, listen, we're going to do it. Whether we believe, trust in you or God, we're trusting in God. We're going we're to spread this name around. And they do it and they're beaten for it. And as they walk away, they counted it as just, they were, they were rejoicing because they felt like, yes, I was counted as being able to suffer for Jesus Christ. What an amazing thing. It's not something that just happens. It takes being in the beloved. It takes being a Christian. Listen, I'm going to run through these last two real quick. Do not be ashamed, okay? If anyone suffers as a Christian, let them not be ashamed. In other words, don't be embarrassed for what you believe about God. Don't be embarrassed for the truth. Don't be embarrassed because you're called a Christian. But take that on. Add that to your badge of glory, baby. Know that you are a believer. Press it into your own hearts and mind. And I believe what, what Peter here is talking about is I just get a sense of him remembering when, when he was ashamed, when he was sitting by that nice warm coal fire, warming up, being asked if he knew who Jesus was. And he's like, no, man, I want to stay warm right here. When he was at that table sitting with Gentiles and Paul comes up to him and he just backs up. Whoa, I shouldn't be next to these guys. He, Peter was ashamed. He's, I think he's thinking about that and he's trying to help us understand like, hey, listen, I went through that already. I went through that already. I know what it means and feels like to be ashamed and, and, I, and I hate it. And so he's writing this epistle here and we're seeing his progression and understanding suffering. He's saying, do not be ashamed. Do not deny the one who loves you to the uttermost. Do not be ashamed of this. Listen, instead of, instead of being ashamed, it says here, if anyone, verse 16, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Oh, man. When you are being persecuted for just being nice to somebody, when you're being persecuted because you're a Christian and you communicate that in some way and somebody treats you differently, glory be to God. You, can, you don't have to be hot-headed. You can just love Jesus right there. Just take that in. Absorb that. And say, glory be to God. They're hating me because God's already told me they're going to hate me. How can I love them right now? Hey, how can I serve that person? Hey, what is it that you need? Can I help you in any way possible? If you know them, maybe you know some of their needs. Meet those needs. What an opportunity in the, in the midst of suffering and being persecuted that you help the one that is persecuting you. Oh, my goodness. 
We all hated Jesus. We all loved our sin. And he came down and was persecuted for us. What a great example to follow in the footsteps of suffering. And the world, they are wondering, how in the world are you able to continue to do so much good as so much evil is happening to you? That's the power of God in the gospel, my friends. That's the power of God. So much evil happening at that cross where Jesus died and so much good, more good than that ever was, was accomplished. Let us always be ready for that reason to give a hope, give hope for the reason that's in us, that that hope that's in us without shame. Let us not be surprised when persecution comes because when we're persecuted for his name's sake, we give glory to God. He says yes and amen. He's thankful for it. He loves it. He loves it when we do this. Lastly, do not be surprised. Do not be ashamed. Listen, don't be confused. All right? Don't be confused about this suffering. I know maybe you've got questions about your suffering. I got questions too. Maybe you're wondering, like, Lord, why is this happening? Why is this happening to us? Trying to, maybe you're trying to make sense of this. Maybe you're thinking, well, I thought Jesus died. He took the suffering for me. Friends, questions like this just entrap our souls, okay, as we, we, we question God's goodness and we question his love for us. Let us look at this. This is why Peter says, verse 17, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. Listen, it starts with us. Just like if you go to school, you go to college, you take a course, you learn things, you read, your teacher's teaching you day by day, week by week, at the end of that course, you've got a final exam. And right there, you're going to prove whether you, whether you learned what your teacher gave you or whether you didn't learn. And if you failed, you go back. You see, God teaches us a lot about life, does he not? He gives us opportunity after opportunity to just praise his name, to experience him, to grow in him. Wherever you feel like you're needing help, it seems like God helps us there. He gives us those things that we need to grow in him, to be more Christ-like. And he's going to give us a test. When we read judgment here, it's not final judgment, but God's assessing us. He's given us opportunities to show that we've learned from him. It never seems like you suffer over the same things over and over sometimes. It's like, man, I wonder. I wonder if there's just something more God wants us to learn when that happens. Perhaps we need to look at this as an opportunity to glorify God, but also we look at this and we remember and we recall and we have this assurance that God is for us. He's not against us. It says here that these come first to the household of God. That's us. That's believers. Man, when, what about the rest of the people? It begins with us. What will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Well, they're not going to be ready. You see, God's getting us ready for the final day. He's testing us day by day, so that we can grow and be strong. We can be mighty. We can be mighty in his word, strong in his strength. We can be weak in his strength. So that when we stand there on that last day, 
We can have confidence in Christ. And we can know, we can delight in his name. Delight in the Lord, it just basically covers any of the pain that comes from suffering. And I think God wants us to know that as we delight in him, as we delight in all that he's done for us, as we delight in the Lord, no matter how much pain comes, no matter how much suffering comes, that delight is going to get us through. I think that's why he gives us, at times, heavier and heavier sufferings, because he just wants to show you that delighting in him eases all the pain. It puts the pain to shame. Friends, I know that many are suffering in very difficult ways this morning. And I want, to be remi- I want you to be reminded, as I was reminded myself while preparing, that as I'm suffering, I am called to be humbled over and over again. I am called to surrender all my rights to Jesus Christ, to God Almighty. I am called to, uh, if at times, to just be there and receive the punishment that is coming my way. Receive the, the wrath from people that are coming. Receive that persecution at times. And as I surrender myself over and over again, I realize that it's not about me anyway. It's about, it's about God. And I realize that, as Hebrew says, that I have not yet resisted to the point of shedding my own blood. So friends, let that be known, that we always have room to grow as we suffer. We always have room to be humbled as we endure, as we have patience. And remember, I want everybody here to know you're not alone. You're not alone in your suffering. I, I, I think you guys are going through Daniel, so probably a few weeks ago, a month ago. Listen, Daniel goes to that lion's den with, those, with his friends. He's not alone. He's not the only one in there. God's with him. God's with us. God is with his beloved. Our delight in him puts to shame the pain, any pain that may come our way. And so I want you to know this, my friends. Do not be surprised. Be ready. Rejoice. Do not be ashamed. Surrender. And do God's will. Rejoice. Don't be confused. Go talk to a friend. Be reminded of God's love for you. Be reminded that he's in control. He's sovereign. He's got you covered. He knows your pain. Do not be confused, but rejoice. And the last verse here, 19, to close it all out. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. You want to know what you do? in suffering, stop wasting so much time trying to figure out why and spend your time focusing on doing good. You don't need to know why. Sometimes God tells us why and reveals to us why. But after you know that, then what? I've learned through my suffering over the past five years that I don't need to know why. I don't need to know why I'm suffering in each particular instance. I know that God is good. I know that he's using me 
I know that in all persecution that I receive, that I can just keep doing good. I can look past all the trials and persecutions that are, that are just attempting to overcome me, and I can lean forward, and I can rest, and I can do the good that God's called me to do, even if that good brings up more suffering. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your word here and for your apostle Peter as you used him so mightily to just give us a give us insight to suffering and how you use suffering to make us more like your son Christ. Lord, thank you. Help us in the midst of suffering to rejoice, to be quick to rejoice. For me, Lord, help me, help us all here to not feel like we have to have all the answers, but to trust you who is the answer for everything. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.